Welcome back to Root Awakening Health Podcast, everybody. Divya Alter is with me on this episode. I'm excited. It's a big honor to have her because she has a special place in my heart. She owns a restaurant in New York City that I've always wanted to go to. Many of you know that I lived in New York City for six years, and I talk a little bit more about that story in the actual episode. But Divya, in addition to owning this beautiful restaurant in New York City, it's an Ayurvedic restaurant, uh, Divya is an Ayurvedic chef and she's also a former monk, which we get into in this episode. And she also teaches cooking in a very thoughtful way. She teaches Ayurvedic cooking, she teaches about Ayurveda, seasonal cooking, using spices, what the physiology of the food is what it will likely do to your body based on your constitution. She's really, really educated in the Ayurvedic sciences, and that's actually how she was cooking in the ashram when she was a monk. So she has had this really spiritual relationship to food, and I have as well. And we also talk about in this episode how it's not necessary for you to. You can develop whatever kind of relationship you want with your food, but we talk about what spirituality and relationship to cooking means for each of us and Divya gives us a account for how she found Ayurveda, what it was like to be a monk, what kind of food they cooked, and we also talk about organizing your kitchen and having that creating flow when you cook and um, meals that will really bring out certain qualities in you or give you balance and um, Divya's relationship to Ayurvedic cooking in general and what that can look like and what Ayurveda is. If those of you who are listening who don't know what Ayurveda is, we give that kind of a rundown in the episode. I talk about my knowledge on Ayurveda. I was certified as an Ayurvedic health coach way back in the day when I first got into this self-development business and Divya of course is very educated in that so we talk about that as well. It's a really interesting, warm, homey, kind of comfy episode. So I hope you enjoy it uh, with Divya Alter, Ayurvedic chef, educator, author, and founder of the food brand Divya's. Hello, everybody. Divya Alter is here with me, and I'm really honored to have her because when I was studying Ayurveda in New York City a couple years ago, those of you who have been following me for a while know that I got certified as an Ayurvedic health coach, and that's how I got introduced into the natural world. Um, So when I lived in New York City and I was doing that, I still really loved to go out to eat at that point in my life. I wasn't cooking very much and and I still love, just love food, love to try different combinations of food and really thoughtful restaurants. So I was researching restaurants all over New York City to try to find an Ayurvedic restaurant that I thought, you know, kind of with my, with the knowledge that I had so far about Ayurveda that had authentic Ayurvedic food and that went in line with what I was learning as I was getting my certification. And I love the food so much. And the folks who taught me Ayurveda were always home cooking for us. And I was like, oh, I want to get more of this food. And Divya's Kitchen was one of the only restaurants that came up that I really resonated with. The quality, I could just see it was there. Um, Just reading the menu and homemade stuff on the menu. And I thought, wow, this is really thoughtful and handmade and looks so authentically Ayurvedic. 
Vedic. So I always had plans to go to Divya's Kitchen, but I moved to North Carolina really shortly after, some of you know, before I even finished my certification. So I never made it thus far. Um, and now I know that Divya is an entire brand and not just a restaurant offering a lot more, which we'll talk about today. So. Divya Alter, who is with me today, is an Ayurvedic chef. She is an educator. She's an author. She is a founder of the food brand Divya's. Divya, welcome to Root Awakening, a health podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. And I'm so sorry that we missed you. You have to come back to New York. I will. I'll probably come back to New York just for that. <laughs> and to see my, yeah, you're right. I, um, Divya was telling me before we started recording, you should come back and also see your practitioners that, that helped you with the certification. And yeah, that, those are the two reasons I'd really love to go back to New York. I'm loving the nature in Michigan, but yeah, I'll have to make the trip. I have to at this point. Um, so thank you for being here with me. And I'd really love to just start off our conversation by hearing what Ayurveda means to you and hearing about your relationship to Ayurveda. Yeah, well, Ayurveda, for those of you who don't know, it's, I mean, you've probably know already, but the ancient healing system of India, and it's a very old system. Some people say it's 5,000 years old, but it's actually more than that. But there is no exact reference for how old it is, but it's pretty old. And to me, what Ayurveda is to me is like a manual. It's like a manual and a map. So it's a manual of how, just guiding me how to, how to live my life in the most integrated way on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. And also, it, but it's not like strict rules and regulations. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. people say, oh yeah, Ayurveda, do this, don't do this. There's so many <laughs> rules. I don't like to follow rules. It's not really like that. It's guidelines. And they're not really strict rules, but they're more like guidelines. It, to me, Ayurveda invites me to learn about my body, about my mind, about the connection between the two, about my strengths and weaknesses on different levels, really to get to know myself better, to by practicing self-awareness. And then from there, from that space, to determine, to make decisions from, you know, what to eat, where, where to live, what is, what is the best environment for me to thrive based on my makeup, so to say. What's the best food for me to eat based on how I'm feeling today or what I'm going through in life uh, or what my needs are? What's the best exercise? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so it can go down to the smallest things in, in our lifestyle and in our diet. But that's what I love about Ayurveda is that it helps me get to know myself really well, practice self-awareness so that I can make the best decisions for my optimal performance. Why? Because then I can be of best service to others. Yeah, I love that individual part of Ayurveda, the really treating each person as a unique being. And I think we're finding that out more and more in the Western world. We got far away from that and we're like, oh, pharmaceuticals is the thing. This is the thing that everyone can take. And it's easy because everyone can take it. And now we're starting to see the cracks in that foundation 
depending on the context. And we're starting to realize, well, maybe there is no one size fits all to health. And Ayurveda has been championing that for a long time, <laughs> since very ancient times, like you said, thousands of years. And it's cool to see folks rediscovering that certain practices work for their body. And maybe they're different practices than what their role model figured out works for their body. And that can make things confusing and possibly frustrating when you're coming from, from a mindset of, well, there should be a map that works for everybody. But Ayurveda, I think, for me at least, it provided that structure that I needed. I still wanted a structure. I still wanted a how-to because I felt so lost in my health. And Ayurveda kind of provided me with the details and the education I needed to zone in and how to like narrow down all of this health information to customize and fit myself. So the, the individual quality of that, I think it's one of my favorite parts of Ayurveda. I think it's one of the most important parts. What would you say, Divya? Yeah, I mean, Emily, it's so personalized as you, you have yeah. experienced it. And what I love about Ayurveda is that it treats the person, not the disease. Mm. <laughs> Okay, it treats the person, it addresses the person needs on all levels. You know, you could have a digestive problem that's caused by emotional distress. So yeah. <laughs> you have to treat both, <laughs> you have to address the emo emotional stress as well. And it's personalized and it, just like you explained, you, you learn the principles, right? And then you, how, how are these principles applied to your time and place today? That's where the practice comes mm -hmm. into play. So you may, sometimes people, like people come to me confused because I offer nutritional consultations and they'll come to me and they will be like, oh, I thought I was Vata. Vata is like the airy nature of people who are more slender, have more air, airy composition, uh, constitution. And they would say, I thought I was supposed to eat vata balancing foods till the rest of my life. And, and why is it? And, and they come to me with a different imbalance, let's say a very fiery imbalance that has to be pacified. And I'm like, no, you, you have to consider how you're feeling today, not just your constitution. So if you have your fires are really high, your fiery energy is very high, you have to calm down this first and without aggravating your vata, your airy energy. So it's, it's always checking in with ourselves to see how am I feeling today? And then what will be the best things for me to eat, the best exercise to do, whatever would be best for me to um, balance, to, to live more in balance today. And you learn this by learning the principles. So once you grasp the principles, then applying the details becomes like a, like second nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It simplifies everything really nicely when you break it down to those kind of building blocks of, okay, these are the pillars of Ayurveda. So I can talk a little bit about, I can do my best to try to talk about the doshas and how that, um, how that, that creates how we treat Ayurveda and you can tell me Divya if it sounds accurate to you and to you and how you look at Ayurveda so basically the the how how I've come to to know Ayurveda 
is that what Divya is talking about, the doshas and vata, it works with the elements. Ayurveda works with the elements. So if you're looking at how would Ayurveda apply to me? Well, there are different body types and you can have combinations of these body types or these, these types of constitutions. And it's really qualities that make that make you up, uh, the qualities within us. So we all have all of the qualities within us, right? We all have all the elements. We have this fiery side and that could look like um, really fast digestion, right? Or that could look like heartburn or that could look like anger, for example. And we, we all have some airy qualities from time to time or, or maybe they're more pronounced consistently like we maybe we're forgetful, maybe we're a little scatterbrained, maybe we get headaches, maybe we're, uh, we keep weight off really easily or really energetic energetic, we're moving all the time, all of that is airy qualities. And then there's also kapha, which is like slower, sweet, fat, um, uh, like gluttony, and um, like this kind of relaxed presence too, that we need. So ideally, we would have everything in balanced. And, and um, my teacher used to tell me that it's really good if you're pot of uh, Pitta with a little bit of kapha, that's like awesome. You're lucky if you have that constitution because you have a good digestion, but you also have, uh, kapha is also like oily. So you have the oils to lubricate the body. So everybody has all three of these um, constitutions in the, the science of Ayurveda, but in each individual, different qualities will be more pronounced. So some people are more vata, so they're more airy. Some people are more pitta, they're more fiery. And kapha, etc. Uh, so Ayurveda is like you say, knowing what your constitution is, and also just checking in with it as it changes, because it's very flowy. And that's something I also love about Ayurveda, it's not black and white. So there are different ways of eating and lifestyle practices that can pacify or, or like shorten the amount of some qualities if the quality is getting too high and too crazy. Or uh, that can bring out certain qualities to create that balance. So Divya, how accurate does that sound? Uh, that's very accurate, very <laughs> visual too. Thank you, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I mean, the doshas, they, they govern all the functions in the body. So for example, vata dosha governs uh, movement. Mm. So every time you need to move, vata activates. When you're running, your vata is really high because you're, you're moving fast or you're exercising in any other way. When uh, pitta governs transformation, that's the element of fire with a little bit of water. So it governs all the metabolic digestive processes, all the transformation processes in the body. So every time you eat or when you're hungry, your pitta activates. A fire goes up, it tells you, hey, I need to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Um, and then when your kapha governs the structure and the stability of the body and the growth of the body. So every time you need to sleep and you kind of need to wind down, your kapha goes high, it activates. So the, and there are many more functions, of course, these are just examples. The thing about keeping living in balance is that in a healthy person, when, and the doshas constantly fluctuate by the way. There's no, there's never equilibrium. They always, depending on what's hap what we're doing, they fluctuate with the time of day, with the time of year, the time of age of, in our life also they change. But the thing is that in a healthy person, when the dosha goes high, 
once you alleviate it, let's say you run, 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 and then you stop and you rest, your vata goes down to balance very quickly. You're hungry, your pitta is very high, you eat, your pitta goes back to normal, right? Mm. Your kapha goes high when you sleep, when you wake up on time, your kapha is alleviated. You, f you, you feel refreshed again, you're not tired anymore. So for us to live a balanced life, we need to learn how to not make our doshas angry, <laughs> angry, so to say, right? To know, to know how to alleviate them because what happens if you're running too much and you don't rest? It, it doesn't have to be like a jogging, like a run for exercise. It could be just like you're running around all day, mm -hmm. right? So what happens if you don't rest properly? I mean, we all have experience of that. You kind of feel very strong, high strung and ungrounded. You feel, you, you almost feel disconnected from yourself, right? Yeah. So that's when your vata goes out of balance and it can start causing physical problems, mental problems. What happens if you're hungry and you don't eat? Yeah, you had this sensation, Emily, how you almost feel like your fire in the stomach is starting to almost incinerate you on the inside. You, just, yeah. you get cranky. You, um, um, yeah, skipping a meal can be really, especially if you're a very fiery person, everybody around you will need that. You will know that, yeah, this person needs to eat right now. Yeah, I literally get heartburn if I don't eat or drink yeah. enough water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like the immediate signal your body is giving you. So this is so when we when we don't pay attention to these signals and we keep kind of perpetuating the imbalance, that's when we start to feel not unwell. We don't feel well. It's like, oh, something's wrong. It's like I don't I don't feel my energy is not good. Getting a little pain here and there or some discomfort. We go to the doctor, we do all the tests and they come back normal. Mm. Have you had that? I just had a blood test and I was like, oh, everything is normal. <laughs> yeah. But I feel something is wrong. I feel something mm -hmm. is not right. I don't feel it my optimal. So this is because modern medicine kind of diagnoses disease or imbalance at the very last, last stages. So at the very beginning stages of imbalance, we don't have a lot of tools. So Ayurveda has the tools to show us to help us determine the imbalance from the very early stage. Because like I go to the, I, go, I do all my blood tests, everything is normal. I go back home. I go to the Ayurvedic doctor, they check my pulse and they're like, oh, my liver, my kidney, this, that. <laughs> Just like, uh, but because it shows the initial stages of imbalance, right? And, that's great because when you capture it at the initial stages, you can reverse it very quickly, especially with diet, eating the right food. That's the fastest way to feel better. And then with lifestyle choices, when you go to bed, how, how much you sleep, your exercise, the way, the kind of work you do and how you do it, uh, your family situation and all that. Yeah, definitely. I love that that example. And so many people, by the way, in this audience, I know for a fact, they have the same they something is off their intuition knows that something is off. They go to the doctor, the Western doctor time and time again, and everything is fine. And it's so frustrating for them. And I had I actually had a similar experience when that's how I found Ayurveda, my health kind of collapsed. 
uh, in New York, it's easy to do, especially in New York, to running around, like you say, and uh, not sleeping. I was an artist at the time, crazy deadlines. And I went to the Western doctor and again, they just kept prescribing me more antibiotics, more antibiotics, which makes it worse. And then I went to Vasuda, who, who ended up teaching me Ayurveda. And she, I love how you describe this reaction of, of your doctor, um, of your Ayurvedic doctor, Divya, because you're saying, oh, the liver, the kidneys. And she had the same really exclaiming like, oh, woo. And it was like a week after I went to the Western doctor who was like, they weren't even confirming. They didn't even think that I had, they weren't validating what I thought. They're like, they're really telling me you're fine. You're fine. You don't have what you think you have. And then I go to her and oh my gosh, woo, we got some work to do. And it was, it was really nice. It's kind of overwhelming at first, but it's great because you're finally validated. You're finally validated for feeling how you feel by a professional, which sometimes we need that. Um, so yeah, I love, I love these examples that you give. And I would love to hear more about how, how did you, did you grow up with Ayurveda your whole life? Was it always a part of your life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to finish on that, if you don't mind, yeah, I, I don't mean to disregard modern medicine. I have greatest respect for modern medicine. It, 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 it's a long journey that what we're at with modern medicine. It's just that sometimes it's just not enough or incomplete. That's why I get really excited when I see schools like John Hopkins Medical School, school or even um, Harvard, you know, in, especially in the integrative medicine departments, they officially accept Ayurveda as a complementary medicine. Mm. So complementary to the modern medical protocols, which is great. This yeah. is forward. So yeah. sometimes when when you don't when something like to me with health, it's like whatever works, right? Mm. <laughs> if one, if modern medicine is not helping me, I will go somewhere else to find help with professionals, of course, not just trying to self-diagnose myself and and do crazy cleanses and things like that. But I'll seek professional guidance from the holistic world just to just to address the the issue that I'm experiencing. And I would try to do whatever helps. And if it helps, great. If yeah. it doesn't help, I'll keep searching. And sometimes I also believe in the healing team. So it's important to have a healing team. Don't don't put all your trust in just one person. I mean, that's also with life in relationships. Mm. Like don't expect everything from your partner. Mm. <laughs> um, but the same, don't expect everything from your doctor. From one person, we're incomplete. So I, I personally have a healing team. I have a person who helps me with, I have an Ayurvedic doctor, I have a medical doctor. I work with a chiropractic, with an osteopath. Um, I work with an energy healer, you know, like all these components that help me address the issue from different angles of, yeah, on different levels. Sometimes you just have to address the psychosomatics mm. to really get deep down to the root cause of the <laughs> issue. You have to go beyond the physical and really address the psychosomatics. It's like, okay, what's the real issue here? <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you need to have help and guidance for that. So sorry, but um, go back to your second question. Oh no, it's a, it's an important note, and I love it because we uh, 
every episode I'm saying somehow we always get back to spirituality and emotional health. It always doesn't matter how physical we're talking about. It always comes back. And I do not. I, I tell my audience all the time. I don't have a conversation with my guests beforehand. Okay, we're going to bring it back to the spiritual, emotional, but it always my uh, just you included the, the folks who I look up to in the natural health world. They also realize that there it's a whole holistic holism the whole body everything is connected together and and it's great to to make note that there is there is the only right way to heal is the way that feels right for us and deeply to us right there's no um there's no wrong way to do it if it's working for you and you feel like it's the right way and it's good to highlight that so Thank you for that. And yeah, I would I would love to tell I would love to hear about your history with Ayurveda, if that was something that you grew up with as a child or something that you learned over time. No, well, I grew up in Bulgaria, so that's my accent, by the way. <laughs> but I grew up in Bulgaria during communist times. So the communist time regime kind of broke down in 1990. I was 18 years old at that time. And I, even though communist time was kind of very limited, we have very limited access to anything in the world, including food or knowledge or communication, anything. But I had a very happy childhood. You know, I, I have great parents. I, 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 have, I had a happy childhood, but I didn't know anything about India or Ayurveda. But I became very intrigued by yoga, or whatever, in whatever way yoga was presented in Bulgaria mm -hmm. at that time. And I started searching for some kind of school or ashram or whatever. And I found an underground yoga ashram in wow. my hometown, Plovdiv, it's called. And I, I found that ashram and I absolutely, I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, everything, the people, the place, the, the teachings, the everything was incredible. And... I just asked to be an intern because I couldn't pay anything. So I became an intern and my first job was in the kitchen cooking, not really cooking even, just washing pots and chopping vegetables. And, and later on I learned how to cook. But so this is when around yoga, I started hearing about Ayurveda. But I was really exposed to Ayurveda when I, five years later, no, actually not five, 10 years later, I went to India. I really wanted to connect with the roots of yoga, of Ayurveda, of the Bhakti yoga tradition that I, I was practicing. And so I went to India and I went to school there. But at the same time, um, I also did a little service that helped me maintain myself while I was there. And every time I would get sick, the local doctor was an Ayurvedic doctor. Wow. <laughs> And I would get sick frequently because, you know, I didn't grow up with Ayurveda. I was not taught self-awareness. I was not taught to pay attention to what my body is telling me. It's like, I, I never, I was not taught to make the connection between what I eat and what I feel and how I feel. So I would feel some digestive discomfort. And in India, it's very easy to get digestive discomforts caused by so many things could be parasites could be the water could be the food could be the spices i mean so many things but 
I just wasn't taught to pay attention to this. So I would feel stomach pain, but I wouldn't think about what I ate yesterday. Now, I wouldn't make that connection. So I, I would go to the Ayurvedic doctor and he was so patient with me because you know I was young and passionate and thinking I know everything. Mm-hmm. And he would just say, um, okay, this is the issue you have right now. And he would give me little herbs and things to take. But then he would say, here's a list of foods. So this, these foods are very good for you. So focus on eating these foods because they'll help you heal better and faster. And then he would give me a list of foods that he would say, these foods are good foods in general, but they're not the right foods for you. Mm. You can't digest them well. And because you cannot digest them well, they will, they will slow down your healing process. So I was like, oh, wow. So that's how food can be used as medicine. And I was really blown away by this because I experienced it like practically in my body, how it worked. So this is where I was already a trained cook. Later on, I got trained in the ashram. I was an ashram cook for a while. I was already a trained cook, but this is when I made the connection between using food as medicine and how and the connection between what we eat and how we feel so from there i started i learned a little bit about ayurveda most mostly how to take care of myself because self-care is a big and preventative care is a big big portion of uh, the ayurveda teachings and then later on when i came to the united states i again i was sick i had an autoimmune disease that at that time it was about what, 15, more than 15 years ago. And, and at that time, I met my Ayurveda teacher, my main Ayurveda teacher, Vaidya Ramakant Mishra of the Shakavansiya Ayurveda lineage. So it's a very old lineage that's mentioned in the classical texts. And he not only helped me heal, I don't have autoimmune anymore, but he mm-hmm. also, I like, you know, when you meet your teacher, you want to learn everything they teach. Yes. <laughs> I felt like that. And he transformed my health. And, but he also transformed my life by teaching me a lot about cooking. So he was one of the very few doctors that I've met that spoke in such practical ways about how to cook Ayurvedically and how to understand the properties of foods, uh, what the different properties are, what their metabolic effects are, what energy they produce in the body, what their healing benefits are. He spent a lot of time teaching us about food and cooking, like real recipes. Mm -hmm. So at that time, this was more than a decade ago, I decided to really dedicate my life to studying, particularly Ayurvedic cooking and making the benefits of following those principles of Ayurvedic food available and accessible to people all over the world. So that's how we started our businesses and wrote books and (laughs) everything is expanded from there. How cool, how cool, I love it. And yeah, it's clear to me, hmm, I wonder why Divya, I don't know. I guess maybe just in order, in my mind, I'm thinking in order to start a whole restaurant that has this kind of menu that had, you know, such an impression on me and I guess to expand the brand, I just somewhere in me, I knew that 
it's not like you thought from a marketing perspective, okay, I think New York City needs an Ayurvedic restaurant, so let's like make that happen. And maybe there was a part of that, but I, I knew somehow that you really lived this before you created it and, and birthed what you birthed into the world to share Ayurveda. I really, hmm, yeah, I, I wonder what those, what those qualities are that made me kind of know that, but that's what I really like about this. Um, story one of the things i really like about this story is that you've you've lived this and you you um you've been immersed in the experience of it i think that's so cool and you were also a monk which i i <laughs> i almost forgot about tell us about that how does that work into the story <laughs> my husband too we were both wow. in the monking business <laughs> well when back in the day in the 90 early 90s when i decided to get into yoga so i basically joined the ashram because i was so dissatisfied i was going through an, an existential crisis when i was 18 years old and it's like what who am i what's life all about and i was just not attracted to the way of life the common way of life it just didn't make sense to me so i really took to my spiritual practice so as a bhakti, bhakti yoga, bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion. And one of the goals is to learn how to love unconditionally. So that's a long, <laughs> that's a very high goal. Mm -hmm. But um, what attracted me a lot is that I realized how judgmental I was and how to be, to love unconditionally, not just people, but every living being to see them as spiritual spark but that that requires very high level of consciousness and consciousness becomes clean clean purified raised becomes elevated through spiritual practices so i just just really decided to devote myself so i was a monk for 15 years wow. i got up God, at the latest at four o'clock in the morning and took cold showers and <laughs> slept on the floor. Wow. <laughs> and I've been a vegetarian ever since. So I've been a vegetarian since I was 18 years old. That's like more than two thirds of my life now. But also, you know, the thing about when I relate this to food is that like people nowadays, they, a lot of people try to eat plant-based food, right? So they, they they understand the value of plant-based not just for health but also for the environment a lot of people are interested to eat healthier and more predominantly plant-based but so many people don't know to how to actually cook <laughs> you know mm. we can talk about food as much as you want but when it comes to actually getting into the kitchen or even before that even the planning part and the shopping part and selecting the right ingredients that are best for your digestion and where you're at right now, what you want to achieve with your health. So that's really hard, but you actually prepare it in the kitchen to actually cook it, the skill of cooking, the skill of using spices and then making it delicious and really, and really good looking. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I come in. And, and in the kitchen also, every time, even since I was a monk, we, I was trained how to cook as, as a monk. So we would only go in the kitchen with clean cloths, clothes, like fresh clothes, 
and not talk much. Like instead of chatting, we'll be chanting mm. <laughs> because the vibration, right, in which wow. the environment is important. Cleanliness, I've, I mean, I've never seen such clean kitchens than the ashram kitchen. It was like cleanliness was so important. I mean, it's still important to me. I, I practice all of these things today also. You know, when you're scrubbing a pot, it's like I'm cleaning a my, my mind. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sweeping the floor and I'm sweeping the dust from my mind. I mean, there was all these um, allegories, so to say. But it's the, my time as a monk really helped me because big part of my monking time was also cooking for others. And what it helped me with not just the skills and the recipes and all that, but the mentality of cooking and how how you can use cooking as a way for spiritual awakening or as a path to enlightenment. Mm. So cooking can be a very totally mundane activity that you totally hate <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to do whatever. And cooking be, can be a totally meditative very personal, very enlightening practice. What were some discoveries that you had that made you realize that? How did you start feeling when you were when you were cooking as a monk that gave you these these moments of enlightenment? Wow, nobody has ever asked me this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I learned a lot about myself for sure. Um, For example, I learned how to observe my mind. You know, the mind can be like a little monkey constantly (laughs) moving and chattering and uh, having a lot of negative dialogue as well. Mm -hmm. But um, cooking uh, is a very focused practice, a very focused activity. You have to focus on what you're doing, concentrate. So one way of learning how to control my mind and observe first of all recognize what's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> Rec- uh, recognize my monkey mind um, but also learning how to focus and how to also through meditation my just my silent meditation but it, it just helped me recognize that and to also calm down my mind because our minds can drive us crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> But to me, cooking becomes a way to calm my mind as well. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that myself. I also didn't start cooking until or enjoying what I was cooking or how I was cooking until just a couple, probably now four years ago, three years ago. And I noticed it was so interesting how the product of what I'm cooking changes based on where I'm at when I'm cooking it and I still see it now sometimes I'll get sucked into just trying to get it finished on time not enjoying the process or being frustrated at myself because I made a mistake and sometimes that it doesn't turn out not because of the mistake but because of the energy that I was putting into it or sometimes I'll think I made a mistake and I'm, 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 I'll think I made a mistake, but I decide not to worry about it. And it turns out awesome. 
And yeah, it's interesting how you how you connect these things, spirituality and cooking. And we hear that a lot. We hear people say, oh, that it's a, you know, it's a really big emotional practice and it has so much to do with our the culture of our lives. But but really, what does that mean, right? Like what what are the ins and outs of how you can connect emotionally and spiritually with your food? It's cool to hear that from you. And I've noticed it in my in my cooking as well, how how my mindset and how my uh, strategy towards cooking, relationship to cooking affects the finished product and also affects how I experience it. And now at this point in my life, I've, I'm trying to decide or waiting to decide if uh, I would just homestead for the rest of my life. That's becoming a thing, right? Like cooking for the rest of my life, having my cows, milking my cows, making cheese from that and having that be my life. And it's become this big thing and not like it would be for everybody, but that's coming from someone who used to hate cooking, didn't use that word and didn't want to cook. And uh, it's incredible how, how also how much self-worth can come out of being able to cook a meal for yourself and enjoy that process. It's awesome. What did you eat as a monk when you were when you were cooking and having this relationship to the food? What kind of stuff were you making? Well, we had really good food at the ashram. I bet. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have stayed. <laughs> but, but you know, it's not like. Well, part of the training as a monk is to learn how to control your senses. So that's the mind and the senses. So that's part of every yoga practice to be in control of your, of your body, right? Not, not just eat when, whenever you think of eating and kind of binge eating, be binge eat all, all day. Mm -hmm. So, so eat when you're hungry, that's it. So that, that, that was like, we had very scheduled meals which which actually really helps you become regulated so yep. breakfast at the same time every day lunches at the same time uh, light dinner as well so it helps your body become more regulated so you you fall asleep at the same time it's easy to wake up early in the morning like that um so we would cook these incredible i mean that's one of the main attractions to the ashram was really the food because I mean, I've never seen such an incredible variety of vegetarian food. I didn't know that that was possible. Mm. You know, sometimes people who are carnivores and they think, oh, so if I'm vegetarian, I just have to eat salad all the time. <laughs> so, but there is such an incredible variety of ingredients and recipes. And that's what I try to show every time I teach class. I teach a lot of cooking classes. I, I, with my cookbooks, I have two cookbooks with all the recipes and the use of ingredients that I present. I just show that there is such an incredible variety. You're not limiting yourself. I think just eating mostly meat products, you're really limiting yourself and you're kind of excluding the very broad plant-based world that's out there that gives all kinds of nutrients uh, to our body. So we would uh, make, I mean, we'll have like complete meals with at least two types of vegetables, one grain dish, we'll have like a, some kind of soup, whether it's protein rich soup, like from lentils or beans, and uh, we'll make fresh paneer cheese. Mm. Um, and the desserts, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> I bet. That white sugar. Yes. <laughs> so, um, 
and then once a month, once a, once a week, every Sunday there will be a feast with four, like a feast of fourteen different types of preparations, mm. with sauces and drinks. I, I mean, we, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, I really, my main practice was yeah, learning the philosophy, the yoga practices, and all that. But a lot of cooking. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, and I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. And you still do now, right? Yes, I yeah, I, I love the kitchen. I it's like my favorite space in the house, and I find myself. I often kind of lose myself in it. You know, it's like even though it's my profession now, but I would go in and spend much more time than I planned because it's also my creative space, especially Ayurvedic medicinal healing, delicious food is is also my art now. And I start something working on something. It's like, oh, and what about this idea and that idea? Mm -hmm. I end up spending much more time. But and what you know, this is my unique journey. You don't have to go to be a monk to to um, you don't have to be a monk to practice cooking as a way of self awareness and 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 even spiritual awakening. It, but one thing I always tell my students is that if you want to learn how to cook and use food for nourishment, really you're cooking because you want to nourish yourself and your family with real food, with really good food that will affect your health, it will improve your relationships. So if you if that's your focus, then make the kitchen your sacred space so to say make the kitchen the place where you really enjoy being you you like to be in the kitchen <laughs> uh so that's why in, in our upcoming video masterclasses that we, we're just about to release I, I have a whole workshop on setting up your ayurvedic kitchen or you don't have to call it ayurvedic you can call it your healthy kitchen or your kitchen because when you set up your kitchen in a very efficient way, organized way that really helps you flow in it, you want to be in it. But if you're not into cooking so much and your kitchen is kind of a mess and there are packets flowing everywhere, things are spilling, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, it takes so much time, then you're not, it doesn't motivate you to be in the kitchen. So, but with simple organization, you can create this beautiful environment and energy in the kitchen that inspires you to produce those very nourishing meals and you're not just looking for the end result you're also enjoying the process as well and you're learning a lot through the process of cooking as well yeah so important and so much fun because it makes it so like you say it makes it so much more enjoyable I didn't know that too about how you also teach how to organize and now everything's kind of coming together. It makes sense how you're using all of the skills that you've developed and the interests that you've developed throughout your life as a monk and studying in the ashram and learning that lifestyle and bringing your spin on that, uh, how it all comes together in, in what you're teaching now. So what are the other, what are some other lessons that you would learn in the masterclass? Like, do you learn um, like different recipes? I'm sure different recipes, but like methodologies. What's, what are some other lessons that you have? 
Well, you know, the masterclasses that we're about to release, we're about to release five video produced masterclasses. And they're like my offering of service and my response to so many of my students, because I've been teaching cooking classes in New York City and other parts of the world for the past, I know, 13, 14 years now. And I love teaching. This is where <laughs> I come to life. I really love teaching. Um, and we, we've done so, I mean, we've taught thousands of people in person. So before COVID, we had all the in-person uh, classes. And then uh, we started the culinary certification program. So we started, I think it's the first one, uh, very systematic Ayurvedic nutrition and culinary training. And we've been teaching this since once a year, since 2015. And then when COVID hit two, two years ago during the lockdown, we were like, what, <laughs> what happened? What can we do? Mm -hmm. And up until now, I will admit that up until now, I was very much against teaching cooking online because I was like, no, how can you learn online? You have to be able to taste it. I should be right next to you to evaluate you, make sure you're doing your things right. Mm -hmm. you're getting it. And then you taste it so you know what it's supposed to taste like, feel like. Um, but then with the lockdown and we couldn't travel and we couldn't gather. <laughs> mm -hmm. and so we tried to do online classes and they became really successful. I mean, I had classes with 700 people, 750 people watching me live. And I was wow. like, wow, <laughs> there is some interest. Yes. <laughs> then we restructured our culinary training to, um, and we opened it up to, uh, we created a whole learning management system with online platform. And I mean, for the past year and a half, we've offered three cohorts. We facilitated three cohorts. We just graduated the last one. And it's, it sells out every time we have a long wait list for the next one that we haven't announced yet. So the interest is tremendous. Um, but people were telling us, like from all over the world, they're like, I want to study with you. How can we learn this in a systematic way? So we decided to create these five uh, masterclasses. So there's a four-part series called An Introduction to Ayurvedic Cooking, which I really, we created such a systematic, very visual presentation. Mm -hmm. Um, we explained the doshas also and how they relate to your digestion and the foods that are right for you, how to select the foods that are right for you and all that. Um, so explain the theory, but with these masterclasses, I try to provide a complete, complete for the beginner, but also very practical uh, foundation for health and healing through food. So uh, I teach you a lot of recipes. We have a whole segment, as I mentioned, on organizing your kitchen. And then there is another, the fifth class is just a single class on seasonal cooking with Ayurveda. So even if you don't want to get into the doshas and your body type and all that, you just want to learn how to cook healthy. The seasonal cooking class will guide you um, like how to connect through food, uh, with food through the six tastes of food and how each taste like sweet, sour, salty, how each of these states has a physiological and also psychological effect. Mm. So then when you're feeling down, which kind of foods of which tastes will be the best foods so that it can lift you up, for example. Mm. 
So, and how to connect that to seasonal eating so that you can really live more in balance with the seasons. So I'm very excited about these classes. We've been working on them for the past, I don't know, four or five months now. Um, I think they, they're fantastic. They come with a workbook and a whole learning management platform and learning activities. And um, whoever will, all participants will also uh, get invitation to live uh, virtual question and answer sessions with me once a month. So again, I, my passion is to really help people to, be, to become empowered in using food for healing, learning how to do it in their own kitchens. I mean, it's great for you to visit us at Divis Kitchen. We, we, of course, the restaurant is there for you. Um, it's, we also have our retail products, which is like how, uh, which help you pr prepare uh, simple meals at home just by just pouring a packet into hot water and cooking it for, for 20 minutes. We have that line of service as well, but really empowering you, you know, to make it easy for you. Like, Emily, I'll tell you, like yesterday I was speaking to a friend and she's not, she's just, just getting into healthy cooking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Just getting into healthy cooking. And she she told me, I I really want to eat healthy and I want to eat more plant-based, but I don't know what to eat. And I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to cook like this. You know, I want to, but I don't know how. And I'm like, let me teach you how. <laughs> so um, from how to use spices, how to make your own almond milk and coconut milk and I don't just speak in my classes, I don't just speak, give you the recipes. I also speak about the healing benefits and how each ingredient or each spice, what kind of energy it produces in your body. So by learning about the properties of the ingredients, not just the nutrition facts, but the physiological effects that each ingredient produces in the body, then by learning that you'll be able to make your own choices and make your own recipes as well. I was just going to say, when you were starting to talk about how to use spices, how to work seasonally, how to understand the physiology of what you're eating and how the food will likely react in your body, I started to think about intuitive cooking and intuitive eating, which is still, I mean, at least where I'm at in the natural health world, self-development world, it's talked about, but very rarely. I still don't see that much about it, but people are so interested in it, including me, um, but it requires education. I, I would say either education on yourself or education about what uh, the, the food properties do to you uh, and how they react together. It requires a lot of education and it sounds like you distill a lot of information down that can help people move towards intuitive eating for themselves because one, it includes Ayurveda, which is so personalized, but two, to know about seasonal eating, to know about the different spices and to not just follow a recipe, because that was something that we have been doing in my family for a while. And it has come with a lot of frustration and like scatteredness and 
a relationship to food that's like, okay, this will taste good, but it's something that somebody else created. And I'm trying to follow what somebody else created probably intuitively and probably over time. So it doesn't quite match, but like, it'll taste okay in the end. And it's just kind of like this clunky process, which sometimes it can be a clunky process at first, but I really noticed Divya when I'm cooking more and more, I notice how much I can get creative, like you say, and make it your space and create that relationship with food. And I start to say, okay, I know that if I do it this way, it's going to taste like this by now. So how about I add a little bit of this in and have the experiment. And I think that's where it gets really fun. And that's where you, you reach that next level of, oh, I'm not just learning how, like doing the robot movements of cooking and learning how to cook, I'm actually like expressing myself through cooking. Uh, so would you say that these classes also can set you up to start to cook intuitively for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's my ultimate goal. Nice. Because see, intuitive cooking, again, it, it starts with self-awareness. So knowing where you're at, what your needs are, how do you feel right now? What's going on for you? If you feel very cold, then eating cold foods will make you more cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Ayurvedic golden rule of balance, like like increases like. If you have very dry skin and you keep eating popcorn and crackers, which are very dry <laughs> foods, your skin will get drier. So we always balance with the opposite. So the when you first of all with intuitive cooking, applying that principle of looking for the opposite quality of how you're feeling right now, right? Yep. So, yep. So that's one. And then the other one, as you mentioned, I love how you speak about relationship because I feel like you took it right out of my second book, which will be published in September. It's called Joy of Balance. Wow. And it's cooking by ingredients. So I, I guide you how to cook with healing ingredients. And mm. I, I, I have profiles for So I have a profile for barley. And I describe how I, I summarize how Ayurveda describes barley. Does it, it's, it has a cooling effect on the body. It has certain detox functions. It really helps with kidney stones. So, and how can you make barley water if you're struggling with kidney stones? So I give you this information. And then I teach you a recipe of how to make minestrone, which is a delicious food with barley, and when to use it, how to adjust it, depending on what kind of digestion you're experiencing today. So just like you mentioned, Intuitive cooking comes with self-awareness. And then the second piece is knowing, having some basic knowledge of the properties of the ingredients. Again, not the calories, not the nutrition facts, which is also very helpful. You shouldn't exclude it. But what's the metabolic effect? Does this ingredient heat me up or cool me down? So Ayurveda gives us this information. So if you feel very heated, it's summertime and you're sweating and you feel so hot and you... And, and it's like, if you eat chilies, it will only make you hotter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the metabolic effect. Um, just an example. So, but the thing also about intuitive cooking, uh, Emily, is, is that intuitive cooking also comes from a balanced place. So when we're out of balance, have you noticed that when you're out of balance, you kind of crave to eat the foods that perpetuate your imbalance? Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you, you're kind of responding to those imbalance cravings and you, you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm just intuitively eating. <laughs> 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 it's 
is telling me it's it's not really your intuition it's just your imbalanced mind that's kind of keep driving you to if you're very heated for example keep driving you to the foods that the, the spicy foods and the pungent foods and the fermented foods that will keep perpetuating the imbalance so again with being familiar with the basic practice and just thinking of applying the golden rule of balance that we always balance with the opposites even if you don't know if even if you don't know about the properties of individual ingredients just think about the qualities of foods you feel very dry and dehydrated avoid dried foods and incorporate more moist foods right if you feel very ungrounded and very uh, kind of cold like spacey then eat something very warm and grounding like a stew and a soup don't eat salad because it's just the qualities of the foods that they will produce in your body and mind so that very simple it actually you know, I mean, I'm sure you experienced this as, as well, Emily. When I first started studying Ayurveda, I was like, yeah, this makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course. Mm -hmm. Just a change of perspective, the change of how we look at food and how we approach our relationship with food. Yeah, so true. And it ties it all back in. It's already intuitive. The, the principles of Ayurveda are already intuitive. And if we're following that, then we're following kind of an, an intuitive cooking because we're just... I just think in the Western world, we're taught in school that things are, they have to be like nutrition facts and what happens chemically in your body. And you can take that route, but that never really resonated with me. So I, I just didn't, didn't really know what was best for my body. And then learning about Ayurveda and thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, the balance. And also the idea, I love that you highlighted this, the idea that the opposite is the medicine Wow, I still use that. Now I'm, I'm coaching a little bit more on more general self-development techniques rather than cooking. It's more emotional health and the spiritual stuff and all that. Wow, is that ever true in behavior and lifestyle and, and social relationships and our relationship to ourselves and, and business success? Oh my gosh, I, I just see it happen so much in my lives and my clients see it in their lives too. Our life trajectory is often okay what patterns have we created that are keeping us stuck in a place that doesn't feel good and how do we break out of those patterns often very often it's balancing what you're already doing with kind of the opposite the other side of the spectrum and often uh, folks including me will go way to the other side of the spectrum and get too extreme over there and then after seeing what happens there also imbalance then we kind of settle back in the middle and sometimes that's just the process but it's the same it's like again everything is connected with food, if you're feeling one way and eating one way, and that is just perpetuating, how can you move to the other side of the spectrum a little bit further to create some balance and harmony in your body? It's really, it's really beautiful. Yeah, food is powerful. Yeah. Food can heal us, food can hurt us. So I always ask my students, where are you at right now? It's like, is is food your friend helping you mm. nourish nourish you and your friend your companion to support you to have the best energy the best health to do what you're meant to do in the world 
or is food your enemy right now that you're everything you eat almost everything you eat it's like you get some discomfort you get you you have all these fears about food you don't know what to eat um you get frustrated about it i've been there i mean i I was at a point where food was my enemy and i couldn't i couldn't digest on most of the foods i was eating and it was like i don't know what to eat it was so frustrating and this is when when i'm i got to i met ayurveda and this is where the whole thing shifted so it's never too late but i love how you speak about change of perspective and healing calls for a change in perspective yeah to heal anything you have to be ready to change but the change we have to be ready right it happens in its own time (laughs) we can't force it but when we are ready then don't procrastinate it when you're ready to incorporate a positive change in your life don't procrastinate my teacher would always say always postpone a bad habit and never delay a good one (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that yeah yep and it's it brings up such a great point like for me i went after i was introduced to ayurveda it still took me a year to really start working with some Ayurvedic recipes and really start implementing it into my life and the lifestyle changes. It took me a year to get to the place where I was starting to do those practices consistently. And I think I always like to highlight that, how long it actually took me to start getting into a groove. And I'm still establishing that, what my special mix of strategies are when eating when cooking and in my lifestyle because I think we we tend to think that if we can't do it immediately then we can't do it at all and we have to give up because we hear people say oh we we hear the sentences as simple as I needed to make a change bad things were happening so I made a change and now I'm better and we think that that's supposed to happen in a week (laughs) and some people tell us that it happens in a week and some people that's part of their life path to have like a immediate change and share that with others but I would say for most of us it doesn't happen like that so for me it was small things what did I start with um like experimenting with different food combinations or not having certain food combinations and realizing oh my gosh if your digestion is moving slowly if you have constipation Ayurveda that can clear up so fast with Ayurveda I learned with me and my clients well first week it really was the first week and a lot of my clients not everybody but um that's it works really well to get digestion moving and um yeah, these little, these little things that you have heartburn, stuff like that. And uh, it's interesting too, because I'm, I'm went on, I'm continuing on with my healing journey. And I went on the gaps diet, which is, uh, it's really lots of animal based eating. And I said to myself, um, I know bone broth and meat stock is very rarely, if not at all used in Ayurveda, but I was taught that sometimes you do use it. Um, right. And, uh, so anyway, I was said, okay, I'm going to try, I'm just going to go for a week and eat meat and meat stock. I'm just going to see what my body wants to do. This was just a couple weeks ago. 
And I really saw how important for me at this point in my life, vegetables are and incorporating in this balance of a little bit of sweet and fresh and um, soups, they're helpful at least like with the meat, but um, it was something that I needed to experience, but I was also so grateful to, to incorporate the vegetables and the balance in to get some digestive movement and to get some, uh, I noticed that the heartburn was coming up and yeah, it just, it just takes me back to Ayurveda and reminds me about how important that is. And yeah, yeah, it's, I, I love, I love this outlook on working slowly working cooking practices into your life and on that note too I think that's where your pre-made products come in handy for people who want to understand the flavors of like really good cooking and understand the flavors of Ayurveda but they aren't ready to just drop everything and cook 24 seven. And that was certainly my case. I still, like I said, at the beginning, I was looking up uh, restaurants and because I just wasn't ready to cook all the time. Um, and uh, Divya sent me some of her ghee and it's so good. I tried it. It's a cultured ghee and I, I mix ghee myself now, uh, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of other stuff, cooking and cheese making. And it's really nice to have some ghee that's pre-made. And it's, I have to say that it's so much better than mine. <laughs> Divya, you get this smoky flavor in the ghee that I know this distinct flavor because it's what I tried when I was studying Ayurveda and I had ghee made for me and it's so good. Um, yeah, I love that. Have, do you have like a secret ghee recipe? Um, I, well, it's not secret. It's a traditional ancient recipe that I teach. Actually, I show you how to make ghee from scratch, from culturing the heavy cream, turning it into butter and making it into ghee in my master classes. I show this recipe as well, but so you, that's another benefit of COVID. Uh, I wrote my second cookbook. We started online teaching classes and all that, but we also started a line of pantry products, retail pantry products. We have an online shop and at devious.com and we uh, created these it's because, you know, people were calling us because our restaurant, we closed the restaurant for two months. We didn't know for how long, when we'll open it again. You know, it was so many unknowns during the lockdown. So people, our clients, our guests were calling us this how can I get some Divis food at home? I'm here locked down. I don't know. I have to cook for myself. And my husband, Prentice, and I we were like, well, let's let's help people. Let us somehow experience that and, and make Ayurvedic cooking easier at home. So we created a line of pantry package products. Um, and we have four Kitri packets. So Kitri is mm. the traditional Indian Ayurvedic stew of lentils and grains and you can add vegetables to it so we have like for different body types and a balanced one and for different seasons also with different seasonings uh, we have uh, these we have two soups like uh, lentil soups that are really delicious so all the spices everything is in them you just have to and we also pre-wash so we wash and soak the lentils we wash the grains and then we dehydrate them so you don't have to do that. So they're less starchy that way. You just pour it in hot water and it's ready in 20 minutes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, um, and people, I mean, the, the, we've, we've had these uh, products for like a year and a half now and the feedback, has, and we haven't really advertised much. We just advertise online a little bit. 
but you'll be hearing a lot more about it uh, next month. But we, um, the, the feedback has been so positive. I mean, moms who are pregnant or who just gave birth and they don't have time to cook and it's, and it's perfect. This is actually perfect food for them. Mm. Or people who are just really busy, even working from home, you can get really busy and forget to eat. So you can just heat the water and while the water is heating, you can keep working, pour the packet while it's cooking for 20 minutes, keep working and then, and then take a lunch break for half an hour and have a hot, fresh meal. So I'm so excited because this, it's really making these products and making it easier for people to prepare fresh meals at home. They're really delicious and complete, they're complete protein plant-based meals. But yes, our ghee, uh, so ghee is like the clarified butter, which is one of the best fats to cook with, even though it comes from butter, it's lactose free. And we, we make it in the traditional Ayurvedic way. We make cultured ghee. So we take organic grass-fed cream and we culture it. It becomes like cream yogurt. And then we have this big butter churning machine at our facility. So we make fresh cultured butter. Mm. <laughs> and then we take that butter and we cook it very slowly into ghee. And um, yes, very, very proud of this product because it's most most ghee products are just they don't do the butter themselves they just buy butter and make ghee but um this is like we do it in the traditional way so it's very fresh and delicious it's very fresh and very delicious i literally ate it by itself and i think most people wouldn't do that <laughs> and you're probably thinking oh it's too kafa <laughs> but i love it and um <laughs> i love it and uh, it's like I said, it's smoky, it's fresh, it's creamy. And I've tried other ghee. Like there are some, I'm not going to name names. Normally I would, but I won't today. They're, they're like big organic brands and other people like them. I've, I've heard people uh, talking about them online. Like, oh, I just get this organic brand. I can't do it at this point. Now that I'm getting, I get, I can get raw milk in Michigan because I have a cow share and, um, now that I'm getting these local milks to me and my palate, I can't just buy uh, the big organic stuff, even though it's great that it's organic. It's a great step. But at this point, I prioritize it in my budget to get better. Like, even though the other the other organic brands that I'm thinking of, they say grass fed, but I can tell the quality. And this is like the great thing about studying food and learning to cook more. Like I've really understood quality through taste and smell and texture. And uh, Divya's ghee is so, um, it's so creamy. It's shelf stable, right? You can yes. eat, you can open it and still keep it on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, you don't put it in the fridge. In fact, we recommend not to put it in the fridge unless water goes inside. Yep. Yep, exactly. And I think I remember that that was a sign of really good ghee as I learned it when I was getting certified, but it's so, it's so tasty. And I've had some ghee that are, it's really hard. It's really waxy and uh, not nice to the palate. And I'm still working on my recipe, but I loved this ghee. So anyway, I, yeah, I, I, I think I talk a whole lot on my channel about how important it is to cook ourselves and to make things ourselves. Um, but it is so true that it does often require a process step-by-step. Step. And I didn't just start overnight cooking all the time and just, I went in and out. I, I ebbed and flowed with it. And um, I think it's okay to buy some food 
<laughs> when you when you feel like you need it, when you're in a season of life where you feel like you need it. So it's cool that you're providing that, but also you're going to the next deeper level of really teaching people the foundation of cooking, which is awesome. And um, yeah, so wow, Divya, I feel like I just, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about this. And I love that we've kind of tied everything together. Um, so is there anything else that we missed? Anything else you want to share about what you offer? So you have the masterclass going and you have the pantry um, foods going. And is, is the masterclass, did you say it's coming out soon or it's already out and available? Um, yes, we should be able to release it by the end of April. So all the masterclasses will be available at divius.com by the end of April. Our, we're rebranding, so we, we have new product package. So we, our kitchen soup packets, we have single servings now. We have like the double serving that kind of not, it's enough for three to four servings. And then we have the single serving. Um, so yeah, it's a lot going on. My new cookbook, Joy of Balance, just went to uh, print. Wow. and it will be released in September. It's available on Amazon for pre-order right now, if you can't wait. But um, yeah, very excited about the book as well. I See, the thing is that you can learn so much about anything in theory, but unless you apply it in practice in your life, whether it's about food or lifestyle, whatever relationship, whatever it may be, Unless you apply it in your life, there will be no transformation. That's why I'm so passionate about helping people apply these principles. And Ayurvedic principles are universal. They are not just some obscure medical science of ancient India that nobody understands. When you actually look at these principles, they're universal life principles. They really help us. They make a lot of sense and they help us live better. Mm -hmm. So I just love sharing this with people and, and in empowering them because it, it transformed me <laughs> it empowered me, transformed me to, um, to really live a life on, with purpose and to be at my best so that I can serve others and, and uplift others. So it's very, e it's actually very easy. It's easier than you think. And I appreciate you mentioning the gradual approach and it's really important to incorporate changes in your life gradually because some people are ready for a drastic change and they don't they have to do it they don't have the time to <laughs> wiggle mm -hmm. around but um if you're doing a drastic change make sure that you're guided so that you don't have to try this diet and that diet like be guided by somebody who really, especially if it's related to Ayurveda, somebody who really understands Ayurveda, understands you, and they can get, offer you very personalized advice. But the gradual approach is where the wisdom comes, right? You have the experience, it works for you, and then it becomes your own wisdom. So I did it gradually too. <laughs> and I still, it's, it's a lifetime practice. I, I'm not perfect. I still struggle with things, but that's the thing is that Ayurveda helps us find balance and helps us always stay aligned with who we are and what we're meant to do in this world through the ups and downs in life, because that's part of life. You, can't, you cannot avoid it, but how to, how to keep aligned with who we are and what we're meant to do 
that's what Ayurveda helps me and keeps helping so many, many, many people. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I, the more I'm on this earth, <laughs> the more I realize that the answer isn't being perfect. The goal isn't being perfect. The answer is really, how are you going to navigate the ebbs and flows? How are you going to navigate the tough times? Like what, what, what are you using and practicing to help you through the changes in your life? And Ayurveda is, can be that for people, which is, it's a support system. It's a support system. Yeah. So Divya, the last question that I want to ask you is what you think the root of health is. This is something that I ask most of our guests. If you had to pick one, one practice or one philosophy to be like the root common denominator of health, what would you choose? The root is being happy. Yeah. <laughs> Finding your, your source of happiness because you cannot be healthy if you're not happy. To be happy and content, to be satisfied with what you have, to be happy and content and externals physic physic physically you may be your body can be falling apart i mean sometimes we have get into an accident and our body is damaged for for life you know mm -hmm. or whatever it may, maybe physically we may not be perfect but if you're happy and content and you're grateful that gratitude is the other thing then you will find meaning and purpose and pleasure in the little things in life that go beyond the material and physical level. So that will be my answer. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love, I love how you tie that in because to me, I, I also realize that gratitude and happiness go hand in hand. I let oh, yeah. go of my gratitude, right? I let go of my gratitude practice for a while and I realized, okay, maybe gratitude isn't going to bring in all the money that I want immediately that I thought that was why I was doing it in the first place. And that's what I thought would happen. Uh, but I'm happier when I practice it. And really that's, there's so much value in that. Right. Yeah. That's a topic for, for your next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I could, I could talk about it for hours and I could talk to you for a long time about these these topics. Thank you so much for being with us. Divya Alter, uh, she is an educator. She is a previous monk. Uh, she is the owner of Divya's Kitchen and she is an Ayurvedic chef, author. Thank you so much for being with us. We are grateful to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me, Emily. I, I really enjoyed our conversation together. And please come back to New York City come to Divi's Kitchen so I get to meet you in person, but also I'll get to feed you. <laughs> yes, with pleasure. If you get value out of this podcast, please share it with at least one person today. If you don't know anyone else who would get value out of this podcast, please subscribe on your listening platform of choice and follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Your support means so much to me. It helps me gain momentum to keep bringing on awesome guests to this podcast and to keep spreading the word of self-empowerment and natural health to more and more people. That is so important. 
And if you're feeling called to work with me on one-to-one self-development techniques, DM me on Instagram or email me at emily at rootawakening.co. The information on my communication and boundaries course is in the show notes, and you can also subscribe to my email tribe in the show notes as well. I love you. Thank you for being here. Catch you next time.